Welcome to the Any Given Day Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things college football. Join your hosts, Hunter and Zach, as they dive into the thrilling world of college football from the perspective of the fans. From game previews to post-game analysis, they will bring you the latest news, insights, and stories that make this sport so captivating. Join them every Tuesday and Friday as they explore the traditions, pageantry, and unforgettable moments that define college football. So whether you're a diehard fan or just getting into the game, get ready for a wild ride with the Any Given Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Any Given Day podcast. Everybody's having a great day so far. Um, so obviously some news came out after George's game against Vanderbilt Saturday. Um, Brock Bowers is going to have tightrope surgery, so he's going to miss about three to six weeks. I thought, um, it, I thought it was four to six weeks, but... Eh. Is it four to six? Yeah, yeah uh, officially, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, you go, you go. Um, I don't, I don't know how much it's gonna, it's gonna affect Georgia, because obviously he's kind of been the go-to guy whenever they need to get a win, a one-on-one. Um, but I still think there's dudes and there's guys in that wide receiver room who can do that. Obviously, not to the same extent that Brock can, but. I think they'll be okay, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of like you said. They've still got guys in that room. This is this receiving core is probably the most um, complete receiving core they have had in ever, if I'm being honest. So even, even though Brock Bowers has gone down and arguably the greatest player in college football today, sorry for stuttering there, um, you... <laughs> He's just such a freak, right? And you throw in the fact that he knows how to inline block, which you don't see that often nowadays with these guys who can go up and grab the ball and come down with it, even if they got more than one person on them. Uh, he he just does things that aren't necessarily normal. The body control, the, the athleticism, the strength. This dude's unreal. And so it's, it's you're going to miss him in this offense, but you've still got guys like Marcus Rosamead, Jack Saint. You've still got Ra-Ra Thomas, who are, they can go up, they can get the deep ball if needed. Uh, they can win those 50-50 matchups. You've got Lad McConkey when he's healthy, who can go and hit a dude with a double move in man coverage and just blow by him. Dominic Lovett is deceptively good. He might not look it, but he's one of the better route runners in college football. You've got guys. I mean, this Georgia offense is not going to go and... They're not going to struggle as much as people think. That's what I believe, at least. Uh, and, And besides that, it says four to six weeks. Brock Bowers is superhuman. If you don't think he wasn't playing injured beforehand at some points, then then you're crazy. I think he could be back at 
the five-week mark, if not maybe the four-week mark. He's going to go and he's going to attack rehab. He's going to go and I, I just he's he's too much of a freak not to go and uh, come back sooner. So you you might see him back at the earliest at that four-week mark, which would be Ole Miss, I think. So I, I think Georgia can survive until then. Yeah, they'll be okay. Maybe not survive. It depends. It depends. Uh, there, there were times where Bobo looked like he was in his bag, but is what it is. Uh, I, I don't think Bobo's as conservative as a play caller as people think. But nonetheless, you know, wish uh, Brock Bowers a speedy recovery and uh, wish him the best. Um, so I think the next game, if I remember correctly, is Oregon versus Washington that we're the, well, the first game that we were going to talk about. Um, this one was a close one and, uh, Washington won 36 to 33. And well, depending on who you ask, it could have been a very different outcome. And I, if I'm right, I think that is your cube honor. So I'll just go at it yeah so i i love dan landing right yes i think he's a great coach and but yeah. th there's there's a fine line between being aggressive and being stupid and he was walking that line all game and he hopped over it a couple times um mm -hmm. Just a few moments would be, I don't know, going for it um, at at the end of half instead of taking the easy points. Mm -hmm. um, so you miss out on points there. There's three points. Ties the game up right there. Yep. Um, going for it on fourth down a couple times. Mm -hmm. You have the ball on your, your 50. And, you know, instead of punting the ball and giving Washington a long field, Mm -hmm. You know, arguably the best offense in college football. Instead of giving them a long field to work with, you're going to risk it and give them the ball on the 50-yard line, allow yep. them to score. Yep. Then you make stupid plays, give up a touchdown in two plays, work your way down the field, and you miss a field goal. So it, it was just... Look, I get it. You want to be aggressive. And he stuck to it, right? He said it at half. We want to be aggressive. And I, I appreciate that because a lot of times in college football, coaches are very conservative. conservative. Look at Jimbo. Yeah, but that was just stupid. It was just stupid. It made no sense. Like the percentages on those plays just made no sense. Why you would go for it on fourth down at the 50 trying to put the game away. I get you could put the game away there, but it's makes no sense and, and and even then you run an inside zone from the shotgun again from the shotgun i don't know why people do it it never works but you run an inside zone from the shotgun get stopped in the backfield and you give the best offense in the country a short field down by four it makes no sense to me but i'm not a college football head coach so what do i know so <laughs> I don't necessarily get why he did some of the things he did. 
part of me wants to think, okay, um, like you said, he's trying to put the game away and he's got enough confidence in his defense to be able to go and stop them if it does go awry. Another part of me is like, does he actually have confidence in this defense if he's going for it? Because if he's going for it, does he think his defense can actually stop this offense? Or is he unsure about it? You know, it could be that, mm-hmm. which he'll never he'll never say that. Defensive no. coach like him, coming from the Kirby Smart and through Kirby Smart, the Nick Saban coaching tree. Yeah, no, he's never going to admit that if he's if he if he thinks that at all, he'll never admit it. Um, but if anything, I think it was because he thought his defense could handle that offense. And even then, it's just take the chip shots. You take the chip shots. You walk out of Washington with a win right there, and and. He cost himself that. Uh, Bo Nix looked pretty, pretty good. Had some ballsy throws, some very ballsy throws, um, dangerous throws. And Troy Franklin just—he struggled a bit to get open, but you know he still had 154 yards on the game. You know, good. I had a touchdown and everything. It just—he struggled a bit. Whereas Penix and his. And I cannot believe I'm fixing to say this. Big Pentix energy. <laughs> uh, had had four touchdowns on the day. Granted, uh, an interception, but in in the end, didn't hurt them too much. So, uh, right. Romo Dunsey, you know, he had two touchdowns on the day, and he is he's been one of the better wide receivers this year especially for that Washington offense. Uh, Washington might be legit. They might they might be one of the first Pac-12 teams to um, come out unscathed from the quote-unquote Pac-12 cannibalism that's been happening over the past few years where you have actually one or two teams that are pretty good, but they can't make it through the entire regular season without a loss. Potentially. Right. So it's. I mean, Bo Nix did really good, right? 337 yards. Pretty good completion yeah. percentage. A lot of dangerous throws that probably could have been picked, especially on those last couple of drives going into half and at the end of the game. Dangerous, ballsy. That, I mean, depending on the. Yeah. I'd say since he didn't actually throw an interception, they're just ballsy throws. Call him dangerous if you know you actually go and throw an interception. Right. Because <laughs> then it's like those were stupid throws. You know why did you throw those? They were stupid. They were dangerous. No. Right. Oh, look at the balls on this kid. He made that throw. Hey, he had trust in his receiver. There's two very different mindsets on how to view those throws. Right. And fact of the matter is, he never threw an interception that day. So ballsy is what I'm going with. Ballsy. Yeah, and Bucky Irving also had a pretty good game, too, for, for Oregon. So, yeah. I mean, all around, it was a good offensive game, and there was some good defense from both sides. Obviously, it's a pretty low-scoring game compared to how these teams normally do on offense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. obviously, I mean... With but some, it's still as a shootout, so... It, yeah, I mean, with some question again, questionable coaching decisions make this game mm-hmm. probably turn out differently than it would have, but, you know... 
what can you do? Congratulations to Washington. They pulled it out. Yep. Obviously, we both picked Oregon. But... Yeah, and, 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 and we're both down one on that. But, uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah. But I, I think, I think if I remember correctly, I'm still in first after the three that we deferred on. <laughs> we'll get into yes. those later, but still. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I believe the game we get next would be uh, Alabama versus Arkansas. Now, this was a close one. Probably shouldn't have been. I believe Alabama was up 21 nothing or 21-6. At one point, final score ends up being 21-24 Bama. They was it 24-6? 24-6 at one point, and then they didn't score another point. And Arkansas almost came back. If Arkansas had scored a single touchdown in the first half, like if they just scored one more touchdown, something, you know, even if it's a field goal, you're looking at at least right. the time of this game. Um, Bama's, Bama's online, man. I... It hurts me to watch that. It hurts me, and it hurts every other former offensive lineman to actually watch that thing. No matter how high of a level you are at, it hurts to watch that. Because they are just so bad. It's not like, it's not the O-lines of past. I agree. And and 19 sacks in the last four games. Five in Saturday's game. It's It's... They cannot keep scraping by like this. And and as long as they've got that O-line as bad as that, it, this was supposed to be uh, a, a run-heavy offense murder ball going into the, this year. They were going to dominate and physically. they ha- That O-line hasn't done jack crap. It, it might be one of the worst O-lines in the SEC, if not the nation. They can't protect their quarterback for anything. I just, they don't, <laughs> they've still got so many different tests coming up at this point. They've still got Tennessee coming to them. They've still got LSU coming to them. They've still got to go to Jordan Hare to play Auburn. It, they're not going to survive as long as their O-line is playing like crap. <sighs> I agree. Um, I mean, obviously, Arkansas's offense was awful anemic. this game. I mean, anemic. I, anemic. I mean, obviously, they came back, so they couldn't have been too bad. But, I mean, KJ Jefferson only had 150 yards passing, two touchdowns. Yeah. AJ um, Green, the second best AJ Green. Um, running back AJ Green. Six carries. Running back AJ Green, six carries for only 44 yards. Their leading receiver, Andrew Armstrong, only 48 yards on four receptions. I mean, there's just wasn't a lot of fast pace. And I know we've talked about this earlier this year, but it feels like, you know, last year or two, it's been KJ Jefferson, you know, really great, you know, has a chance to be the best, one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. And year after year, he is disappointed. He's a freak athlete, but he is not a great quarterback. Not throwing the ball anyways. He's not. And, and, that's so it's so sad, right? Because he still is their main offensive weapon at times. And I fear for what's going to happen after he graduates. Because right. I 
who's going to be their next quarterback and how are they going to run the offense without him? I actually worry about it. Um, right. And, and I hate it for Sam Pittman because he seems like one of the most likable guys in the entire SEC as a head coach. And more than that, I'd pick him to back me up in a fight probably more than anyone except for probably Billy Napier, solely mm-hmm. because I know where Billy Napier is from. He's from Chatsworth, and those Chatsworth boys, they are dangerous as all get out, man. They will they'll mess you up. But Crazy. Crazy. But getting back to the actual topic of this podcast, um, both of these teams are struggling. This was a this was a struggle win, and uh, Jalen Milrow he there are times where he shows flashes in there, but more often than not, there are times where he just it's awful. And he looks lost a lot of times out there throwing yeah, the ball. He he does. If it's not a deep ball, if he, and, I mean, if you can get him deep ball, deep shots, he he looks fantastic. And another thing is, you look at uh, Jermaine Burden this week. He had two receptions for sixty yards after having two touchdowns last week and one hundred ninety something yards. And on multiple receptions, he kind of. He kind of disappeared. Yeah, almost 200 yards. Week. Yeah. It, it, and that's the same problem he had over at Georgia. Inconsistencies. And who knows, maybe they tried to scheme up some other mm-hmm. to get a majority of the catches this week. Maybe not. It's it's rough, man. You, it's it's so hard watching this Alabama offense right now. The defense still looks great. It's one of their better defenses they've had in forever. But they can only do so much. They're not a national championship caliber team this year. I agree. Because they don't have an offense. No, I agree. I I think I'm, I might have maybe a little bit of a hot take here, but I think Sam Pittman's probably gone after this year. I, I, I don't. He, he's shown improvement, but I don't. I don't think Arkansas is going to be satisfied with barely winning any SEC games and maybe getting to a bowl. I mean, this is what happens though when you go and they're owing foreign conference play. And this is what happens when you think you've got you take a gamble on a guy as your quarterback, right? This guy's supposed to be a, he's a genetic yep. freak. He he could be the best quarterback in the entirety of the SEC, maybe even college football. But that's what happens when you take a gamble. Like sometimes you're going to get a Cam Newton at the college level. Sometimes you're going to get an Anthony Richardson where they show the traits. They don't show it all the time, but they show enough to win you a few games. But then they go and cost you a few. And then you're going to get a KJ Jefferson where when if you if he was in a triple option team, I think he'd be nigh unstoppable. Wouldn't have to throw the ball as much. Uh, if Paul Johnson was still head coach over at Georgia Tech, he would be he would have been one yes. guy who would have gone after the most. Probably could have caused some damage too, but 
perfect fit. A perfect fit. Big, deceptively fast, and just... I agree. It... But that's what happens when you take gambles. Sometimes you get a Cam Newton. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes you get a KJ Jefferson. It doesn't always work. And I hate that. I hate that for Sam Pittman. I I don't know if he makes it through the year or not. I think if he is fired, it's going to be during the postseason, after the bowl game. Out of respect for what he did. Yeah, me too. Because he still, he beat Texas. And that's that's big for an Arkansas. For Arkansas's program. If they make a bowl game. If they had beat Alabama... Doesn't matter how bad Alabama's offense this year, they still would have beat Alabama. Yeah. That's that would have bought him for sure another year. They didn't. They almost did, but almost only counts in horseshoes and All right. So the next game we got would be Florida versus South Carolina is a final score of 39-41. Florida gets a late touchdown to win it. And I just want to say I got two words for you. Transitive property. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, this is uh, one of the games we deferred on, and mm-hmm. I picked South Carolina, and I was very confident in that pick until the last few minutes when Florida <laughs> mounted the comeback and uh, won. Uh, Beamer ball, though, right? Right. It just, it just, it. Mm. It's bad, man. Real bad. I, I mean, Rattler was good. He was good. Yeah. He looked great. Just they couldn't score when they needed to. And South Carolina also doesn't have a defense, but neither does Florida, so. Right. And I, I would be lying as a Georgia fan if I said that I wasn't hoping that South Carolina would pull it out because I always don't want Florida to win. But. Yeah, I'm glad they won because that means I got a win over you. Granted, you're still beating me, I believe, by two now. Yep. Um, uh, North Carolina <laughs> and Oregon State. Yeah, but... Yeah, I believe it was North Carolina and one other game. I don't remember what the other one was, but... Uh, it was Oregon State versus UCLA. You picked UCLA. Yeah, they had the better defense, is what you said, and then they got mollywop. Um, could you blame me? Kinda. Uh, DJU needs to prove a point, and he has been proving that point weekly. Right. But yeah, I mean. Florida had a really good game. It was a shootout, really. I mean, like you said, zero defense, point blank period in this game. Yeah. I mean, Graham Mertz threw for 423 yards, three touchdowns, Montreal Johnson. The running game wasn't quite there for Florida, but they picked it up with the passing game. Ricky Persall had 168 yards, 10 receptions, mm-hmm. and the game-winning touchdown. So really good yeah. game from them. Offensively. Yeah, Graham Mertz showed those uh, flashes that I, I was kind of talking about earlier uh, this this season. 
that, you know, Billy Napier saw something in him and I saw slight flashes of it. I don't see much of it, but I see slight flashes and, you know, he apparently showed it uh, Saturday again. Right. So This time he cost yeah. me, though, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> dang, I'm yeah, a, I mean, Gators. South Carolina had a really good game, too, though. I mean, really all around. I mean, Spencer Rattler threw for 313 yards, four touchdowns. Mario Anderson, another 98 yards on the ground. Yeah, but, you know, you got to throw it around. It's going to happen. Bit. Yeah. Uh, there's not, I mean, the only really other thing to talk about when it comes to South Carolina and Florida is the, <laughs> the post-game presser with uh, Beamer. It felt like he was blaming everyone but himself in that. Yeah. Now, granted, he, he kind of walked it back Sunday, the day after, you know, said, like kind of owned up to it and was like, look, you know, I didn't mean for things to come across that way. Uh, it starts with me. I'm the head coach that if realistically it, a good chunk of it was coaching and that starts with me, I'm the head coach is what he was saying. Um, and he kind of explained it a bit more, um, but he need what I guess the thing I have a problem with is he's still so emotional after some of these pressers and after some right. of these losses. He gets – he's not taking the time to think before he speaks. And he needs to do that if he's going to be a head coach long-term. Yeah, and – yeah, I mean, I can respect it, right, because he's passionate about it. He wants to win, and I get that. But you can't go into a press conference and say, well – if our guys had done the right thing, we would have won this game. It's not really how it works because obviously yeah, no. they weren't doing the right thing. You didn't coach them up correctly. That's just kind of how that works. Uh, I, I guess the only other I, – I, one of the other things, you know, we kind of have to mention is uh, the ACC is down to two undefeated teams now. Uh, North Carolina and Florida State are both still undefeated. Uh, however, Louisville did lose to Pitt this week, yeah. and it, it was by more than two touchdowns. Bad. Yeah, bad. It was a bad, bad loss. 38-21 to arguably one of the worst teams in the ACC right now. Mm -hmm. it, it This should never happen. I mean, you come off beating Notre Dame. Yeah. And you do that? You lay a goose egg? No, yeah, you can't do it. I mean, that, that <sighs> obviously the um, I know we talked about, la I believe it was la last week, right? Where, where, you know, there could be three three teams undefeated. What happens? Obviously, we don't have to worry about that now. Um, unfortunately, yeah, no, I was looking forward to that chaos, but maybe they all have one loss, and then who, <laughs> then who goes to the ACC championship? <laughs> yeah. Who does then? But, uh, and, I mean, looking at the stat line, I, th I think uh, Plummer for Louisville, he had, like, 52 attempts, I think. Dang. Which, yeah. Uh, for, I mean, for down passes. that much, I guess you kind of have to. You kind of yeah. have to throw the ball a little bit more. You got to kind of force the issue. But Yeah, it, it kind of <laughs> it shows what happened and how it happened. Um, yeah. It's... 
wasn't pretty. And, uh, so yeah, there's, there's not much else really to say about that. Um, Louisville got some good wins to start off, uh, including that win against Notre Dame. That was huge. And, but you know, is what it is. Maybe they went out the rest of the season. Maybe not. We don't know. We'll have to wait till, uh, next week. Yep. Uh, I think Miami versus North Carolina's next. Not, I think I know it's next. Uh, <laughs> uh, cause it helped me win this week when our little yeah. thing, uh, put me up by help, put me up by two North Carolina ended up beating Miami 41 to 31. And, um, the second half, it felt like it was just so far out of reach for Miami. It seemed close at first, uh, but North Carolina, they kind of took control and dominated. And uh, y- you look at the one key player that probably stood out to me uh, in his second game at North Carolina, Devontae Walker went off. Great Six game. receptions, 132 yards, three touchdowns. Uh very crucial, and now, and now you see why Mac Brown, North Carolina, and their fans were so ticked off when the NCAA said, "Oh no, he can't play because of whatever reason they gave." I, they're they're almost extinct at this point. No one really cares what the NCAA says anymore. Right. I mean, and Omari and Hampton had a really really <clears throat> good game for North Carolina. I mean, almost two hundred yards on the ground. It's like what's the yeah. third game this year that somebody's almost had 200 yards on the ground. So, yeah, I mean, North Carolina just took took charge late and just never looked back. I mean, and if you look mm-hmm. at the the stat line, Miami didn't really have a bad game. I mean, obviously it was only a 10 point loss. I mean, yeah. Tyler Van Dyke threw for almost 400 yards, four touchdowns, granted two interceptions, but two interceptions is pretty big especially when you lose by 10 points though. So yes, I mean it's two it's 14 points right there that you gave up. Yeah. So I mean and it has seems to have been a problem this year with Tyler Van Dyke. I mean he he's thrown a good bit of interceptions this year. So yeah, they're uh they're relying on the pass possibly too much, I think. Yeah. It's I mean their leading <laughs> rusher only had 73 yards. So Yeah. It's uh North Carolina, it it's looking like it's going to be a collision between them and Florida State for the ACC championship. And if they both get there undefeated, I I really don't know who to pick on that one. Championship weekend is going to be so much fun when it comes to the picks. <laughs> oh yeah, just because there's we a don't... lot of a lot of there's no clear number one this year, right? I mean, we talked about it all year long. This is kind of the mm-hmm. year of a cluster. Right, so yeah. I mean, you championship weekend, yeah, I don't know who's winning because there's about two or three teams in pretty much every conference that could win a, a conference championship this year. So, I mean, you look at it, Washington and Oregon, mm-hmm. I mean, my you know, North Carolina and, and Florida State, Georgia, and whoever makes it out of the West at this point, I don't know. I, I think it's either going to be Alabama or LSU. Uh, gotta be, and we won't we won't know the answer till of that till this week, possibly possibly next, next week. week, depending on how yeah so everything goes. Um, because if Tennessee comes in and upsets Alabama in Tuscaloosa, um, poor Fine Bomb's gonna have to deal with it on, next Monday, and it, it ain't gonna be pretty. 
No, it won't be pretty it, at all. Because if those Bama fans lose twice in two years to Tennessee, it's it's oh boy, it'll be crazy. You know, I never uh, thought people would be asking for Nick Saban to retire, but they may be, they may be, may be asking him to retire if he loses two years in a row to Tennessee. They might be if he goes to the SEC championship and loses. They still might be asking for him to retire. <laughs> they still may ask him, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter that he he could possibly still get them to a New Year's Six bowl if it's not in the championship playoffs. They don't. They don't care. <laughs> he yeah, spoiled no. them in a sense. They, yeah, they expect him to be in the playoffs every year, and if they're not, it's a failure of a season, apparently. So, yeah, it, uh, they got spoiled. Granted, I. Yeah, I mean, I get that as a Georgia fan. I mean, when you win two straight national championships, if Georgia doesn't make the the playoffs, I'm going to be having a terrible time. Oh, yeah, but you got to live in the present, and you got to understand. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I I also, as a Georgia fan, like, if the day comes where we lose and we don't get to the playoffs, I'm still going to be mad a bit, but I think I'm going to have a quicker turnaround than some because I realize you got to – you got to go with the flow on this, and it's so hard to win back-to-back national titles. There's a reason why there hasn't been a three-peat since the 30s. Right. This isn't so something I, that just happens. I mean, Bama and, and Saban's <clears throat> golden era didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, did they win back-to-back? I think they might have won back-to-back. Yeah, they won back-to-back. Think... Back. They just didn't do back-to-back-to-back. They didn't three-peat. It was yeah. – uh, I mean, that was some of the best football teams in college football yeah. history. 2009, 2010, and then they, I think they lost in 2011. Um, <laughs> and I think there might yeah. have been another time where they were back to back. Oh, yeah, maybe. It, yeah. And it's kind of blurred. <laughs> right. <laughs> there, there were a few years where Clemson beat them, and there was a, one year where Ohio State beat them. And, and... Yeah, it's just a mess. Is what it is. Uh, <clears throat> I think next we got. Uh, I guess we got to talk about uh, Stanford's comeback on Friday. This past Friday. Yeah, Just, that was crazy. It really was. Uh, Colorado was up twenty nine to nothing, and all, all out in, yeah, at half, and uh, uh, all of a sudden Stanford comes back. Uh, down by that huge margin and wins it 46 to 43 in double overtime. And holy crap. Elick Crazy. Ayo Manor. Ayo Manor? I don't know how to pronounce that. Ayo Manor. Manor. Regardless, he had a fucking crazy game. Yeah, you want to talk about uh, Tez Walker? Look at him. He had 13 receiving yards, uh, almost 300 yards. 294, and he also had three touchdowns. Um, <laughs> dude went off and all but won that game himself for Stanford. Uh, yeah, I mean, sheesh, they scored 36 uh, points, I think, before overtime. When I was looking mm-hmm. at it, they scored 36 in the final two quarters of the game. Something <laughs> like that. I mean, he he had. He had a play or two where he made Travis Hunter look like just so bad. Like that that last touchdown that he had, like he literally catches it and keeps it trapped to Travis's 
back and his neck and drags him into the end zone with him. It was insane. It, it was yeah. it was incredible to watch. I you don't you don't see that. And I think one of those touchdown passes was like a ninety seven or a ninety three yard reception on a slant, and then he he I think it was Travis, if I remember correctly. It was Travis that was on him, and he basically broke Travis's ankles on a slant, got the ball, and he was off. And no one yeah. caught him. That, that there was brings up one. the question. Go ahead. Then there was another one where he got – I think Travis was on him for all three. There was another one where he had uh, Travis on him and, like, got him turned around on something, and then all he had to do was – beat the safety to the inside going across the field and he was gone because the other defense, that, that was one safety and the other defensive backs were, I guess they were pressing on the other wide receivers because you just see him start going by the safety and around him. And all of a sudden you see the running backs go and just like trying to catch up with them out of nowhere. They all of a sudden get on the screen, but they're, they're nowhere near fast enough to get to him by that point. They couldn't cover the ground. It was. <laughs> yeah, that, that brings a question. I mean, should should Deion Sanders limit Travis Hunter's snaps? I mean, you know, he did pretty good offensively, but defensively he looked lost out there. I mean, obviously just coming back from a traumatic injury. Yeah. To come Internal back and play and both ways. <laughs> just... Yeah. I mean, he he looked lost out there defensively. It's it's one of those things. Eventually, he is going to have to choose one side or the other. Um, I think he's talented Especially enough in high school and college to play both sides. Um, and I think part of me wants to say that he wants to focus in on defensive back at some point, and that might have been why he went with Dion. But I think right now he might be – he might be more talented as a wide receiver. He um, definitely is more talented as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and, and you can tell how much that offense missed him over the past few games. Uh, oh. So, but now it's, it's eventually he's going to have to make a choice because, and it might be taken completely out of his hands once he does hit the draft. Like, hey, because he could choose to yeah. come back. He could choose to come back to college if he gets drafted by a team that he doesn't want to play for. Or let me rephrase that. He could threaten to hold out. And then right. he could come back to college before he actually officially announces if it's looking like he might go to a team he doesn't want to play for or he thinks they want to put him at a position he doesn't want to play. But eventually, once he gets to the NFL, they're going to go and they're going to crack down on him, and they're going to say, "You got to choose one or the other." And if you're not going to choose, we're going to choose for you. Um, right. So he's got to focus in on one position at some point, kind of like Charles right. Woodson. Uh, it's almost better for him to go ahead and pick now because, like you said, once <clears throat> once he gets into the draft, I don't even think they're going to give him a choice. I think it's going to be, "Hey, we're drafting you as a wide receiver, or we're drafting yeah. you as a DB." It's not going to be a a pick one. It's going to, Hey, we want you as a wide receiver. So you're playing wide receiver for us. So it's, it's mm -hmm. almost better for him to pick now and pick which one he really wants to do. Not that that's going to stop teams from drafting him to play 
the other one anyways, but yeah, because he's shown he can kind of do both. So at this point, he just needs to pick one, perfect his craft, and be really good at one position. Mm-hmm. Because it's, yeah, it's not going to be a long term thing anyways. He's not playing both ways in the NFL. It's not happening. No, it's like you said. There, it's like we both said. Really, uh, they're they're going to crack down on him at some point. So he he does need to choose, and um, it needs to be quick. Uh, he's got yeah. one more year, I think, before he officially can declare. So yeah, he's um, a sophomore we'll this see. year. So, uh, you know, we we said earlier about how Bowers, um about how his injury could affect Georgia. And, and we'll really know in the next two, three weeks, because they uh, they, they've got Florida after this bye week, and then they've got Mizzou the week after. And uh, so far there are two teams in this conference that it feels truly like they can score at will, and that would be uh, Mizzou and Ole Miss. Um, and I'd even throw Mizzou, LSU in there. Yeah, LSU. But you look at it, and Mizzou they they lost to LSU last week, and they come back, and they're down fourteen to Kentucky, and then out of nowhere they come back and they just they beat them, oh, wow. Molly Wap, thirty eight yeah. to twenty one. It uh, it got it got bad, um, and and. You, it makes you wonder how is it that Kentucky's that bad or is it that Mizzou's that good? Because we saw what happened with Kentucky against Georgia when Georgia decided to put a complete game together. Uh, mm-hmm. It was bad. <laughs> uh, Very. It's not as bad. This loss isn't as bad as that one, but still you were up 14 to nothing at one point. Um Defense has to step up, especially right. a Stoops coach team, whether that's Mark or Bob, right. uh, defensive-minded guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think Mizzou and Drink it, Drink is doing a great job over there. Um, and it was a huge win for him going into last year to get Luther Burden and keep him in Missouri. Uh <sighs> And he's he's shown how good Luther Burden can be, but it also kind of puts a bit of worry into you as a Mizzou fan. What happens if someone takes Luther out of the game? So right, <sighs> you got any thoughts on it? I mean, Mizzou's really good. Are they? I mean. Even if Kentucky's not that good, for them to show you know it, just to, to show adversity and, and and to come back down from fourteen nothing in the first quarter and only allow seven points for the rest of the game and mm-hmm. to score thirty eight in three quarters, I mean that's that's the stuff that championships are made out of, right? So not not that Missouri's yeah. going to win a championship necessarily. Not that I think that they're a a championship contender, but you got to have games like that to be able to to grow and be ready for the bigger moments. So obviously Missouri did that big big win. Obviously keeps them in the hunt for the East. So 
obviously they got a big game coming up to Georgia in two weeks, I think. Yeah. Two, three weeks. Uh, so Yeah. Speaking of championship contenders and championship pretenders, our last game uh was not the game of the week. The game of the week last week was Oregon Washington, which we led off with. But the mm-hmm. arguably the second biggest game was Notre Dame versus USC. So, as I said, speaking <laughs> of championship pretenders, can we can we all agree that uh, USC is not going to win a national championship, or any Lincoln Riley coach no. team is not going to win a national championship until he gets rid of Alex Grinch and brings in a better defensive coordinator because they have no defense and it showed. And when your quarterback yeah. is not up to par and he struggles like Caleb Williams did, because granted, as great of a quarterback as he is, he's still human. He threw three interceptions. Yeah. When you when your quarterback is struggling in the Lincoln Riley offense, you need the defense to step up, and they don't have one. No. I mean, I know I I stayed up to watch it, and I remember texting you that Caleb Williams looked shook out there. I mean, it, a career high in interceptions. He's never thrown three interceptions in a game in his career. He's a junior in, in college, and he's never ever thrown that many interceptions in a game. And it was just like, he was throwing right at him. It, it wasn't like it was great interceptions. He was just throwing right at Notre Dame defenders. And I don't, I don't know why. It's like you've seen ghosts out there. I, I mean, he, I know people, you know, want to say he's a Heisman contender, but it, he, he didn't even look like the best quarterback on the field. No. In that game. No, let alone a Heisman Hartman. contender. Yeah. And, and Sam Hartman uh, didn't even have a great game. I mean, it's 126 yards, two I mean, touchdowns. I mean, at least he didn't throw three interceptions this week. Exactly. And no, that's and not a shot at Caleb Williams. That's a shot at Hartman for throwing three interceptions to Louisville last week. Yeah. But no, and, and even then, that was the difference, really, is turnovers. Turnovers is what made this game get this out of hand. Yeah. Five. Uh, 48. To 21. That, or not even 21. My bad. 20. 48 20. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's defense looked great. What else can you say? Uh, they they caused havoc. a lot of havoc. A lot of havoc. Ew, let me say that right. <laughs> and, and you put in here in these notes that this was also their fourth straight game against a ranked opponent, Notre Dame's. That's uh, they've looked solid in a lot of them. They really have. Yeah, uh, I mean Louisville was really Louisville. the worst. Yeah, I mean Notre Dame's had a gauntlet of a schedule, so mm-hmm. for them to to come in here and throttle USC, who had everybody had as a a possible title contender this year and really show that they were really title pretenders, not contenders at all. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like we said, three interceptions, three fumbles, they lost two of them. One of the fumbles was returned for a touchdown late in the game when they were trying to come back. I mean, it was just bad. I mean, and, and Marshawn Lloyd, get this, Marshawn Lloyd for USC. Eight carries yeah. for 46 yards, 31 of that was on one run. I mean, Notre Dame was in the backfield the entire game. Yeah. 
it, I mean, it, JD uh, Bertrand and uh, what's his name? Xavier Watts. Those two on defense were fantastic for Notre Dame. It was ridiculous. Mm hmm. We're, uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, I'll give, I'll give Lincoln Riley credit as a coordinator, as an offensive genius coordinator mm-hmm. all day long. And, and I've already said it, but I'll say it again. And until he gets a different defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch isn't going to cut it. And never if has. he, if he, tr- he was, he, it's right. He was right there over at Oklahoma. I don't, I don't know what USC is going to, how long they're going to take that. Oh, you're getting to a new year six bowl every now and then possibly, possibly every year, but eventually they're going to get fed up with it of being this close to being into the playoffs. And they're eventually going to snap and be like, Hey, look, either get a defense coordinator or you're gone. And I, I, at this point, I don't know if Lincoln will fire him. No, he hasn't up to this point. Like you said, he's been in Oklahoma. He's now here at USC. Alex Grinch has to have something on Lincoln Riley. I don't know what, but he he's had awful defense after awful defense, and he continues to have a job. I don't know why. It's never going to work. It's never has worked. And it's going to end up costing Lincoln his job. Yeah, and I, I think the only thing that's kind of saving him right now is USC was bad for – a while, mm-hmm. and obviously he's kind of returned him to national relevance, and good for him. But Caleb Williams isn't going to be there forever. Caleb Williams is probably gone after this year. Yeah, but they've got. And he's I, been I the entire offense. I think they've also got uh, right now. They've got Julian Smith in the pipeline. Right as of right now, he's a 2026 quarterback. Um, okay. Granted, from and he's like the number one quarterback for 2026. I don't know. Uh, he seems kind of like the kid to go, and once he stays committed, which he's already verbally committed, he wanted to get it out of the way and done and all that. He seems like the kind of kid that once he does commit, he's going to stay committed. But at the same time, he plays at Carrollton High School in Georgia. And Kirby just got Dylan Raiola uh, mm-hmm. for the class of 2024. And if you can look me in the eyes, straight in the eyes, and tell me that Kirby isn't going to do everything in his power to flip Julian. Or, no, it's not Smith. It's Lewis, I think. Juju. That's his nickname. I know his nickname is Juju. <laughs> I can't. I sorry, you. people. I can't remember last names at this point. I'm I'm so fried. It's been a it's been a weird day. It's been a long day, but anyways, if you can look me straight in the eyes and tell me that Kirby's not going to do everything he can do to flip Juju from USC over to Georgia, I, I, I don't do know what best. to tell you. Yeah, I and from from what I've heard, it has something to do with the offensive scheme. He feels like he could be showed off a bit more over at USC, which I think a lot of quarterbacks feel that. In a Lincoln-Riley system, yeah, you can be showed off a bit more. But, you know, what's your legacy going to be? The guy that almost took the – another guy who almost took USC to the national championship, or let me rephrase that, almost took him back to the playoffs? 
or or like in Arch Manning's case, is it going to be the guy who almost brought Texas back? We don't know if Texas is back yet. Right. And we won't know until he gets on the field, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe Quinn Ewers brings them back this year. Maybe maybe they went out, get to the playoffs, and they win the national championship. We don't know. Right. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Obviously, this 12-team playoff is going to be fantastic for Lincoln Riley because then he can have this meltdown game and still mm-hmm. sneak his way into the playoffs, and maybe he can get lucky and not yeah. have to play a blue blood. But he Yeah, and then all of a sudden he has to, let's say – they sneak in as a 12 seed and all of a sudden they have to go, let's say Georgia finishes as the top non-champion. So all of a sudden they have to go across the country to what's more than likely a night game at that point. Oh yeah. And I don't trust him (laughs) in that situation. No. I mean, and Lincoln Riley's got some dudes on that offense. I mean, what's his name? I can't think of his name. It's true freshman, and he's electric. He's a mm-hmm. wide receiver, and that kid's fast. I can't think of oh, his yeah. name to save my life. But that that kid is electric, and he's only a true freshman. So yeah. he can only get better. But mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, you can only do so much whenever you don't have a defense. So Yeah. It's 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 a shame, and and it feel I feel bad because we're talking more about USC's shortcomings than we are about how great Notre Dame looked in this game. Uh, yeah. like, defense stepped great. up. Uh, defense really did step up. They uh, like like you said, you've already doled out the stats and everything, but that's how most of them are going to be in that kind of not. Not in that scheme. Why am I saying that? Uh, in Notre Dame, it feels like they've gone and they've they've gone back to uh, what made them so good in the past few decades. It feels like they they're a bit more grittier on defense in a sense, more physical. Yeah. And yes, I do still think they're more physical than Ohio State. I think Ohio State scraped by and got lucky. I'll save. Soft shell coverage. Yep. Uh, so, and, and that's going to happen when you got a defensive-minded head coach. Sometimes it's going to work. Yeah. Sometimes it's not going to work. And right now it's working for Notre Dame. Freeman, Marcus Freeman's reinvigorated them. Uh, I didn't know much about that hire at first. But I, I look at it now, and I'm like, it, it was a good hire. I, I do think it was a good hire. Yeah, I I was reading somewhere. I don't remember where I heard it, but Marcus Freeman already has more top 12 wins at Notre Dame than Brian Kelly did in 12 years mm-hmm. at Notre Dame. Yeah. So already off to a great start. I mean, obviously two losses already. One to a probably really good team, and one to a team that just lost a pit. So that loss doesn't look great right now. But yeah, um, I got one for you. You know, Marcus Freeman played at Ohio State, right? Did he really? Oh yeah. So I bet he wanted more than anyone to win that game. Oh yeah, definitely. I just I I hate it for him, but. Is what it is. It is what it is. Yep. 
All yeah. right. I guess Any that's it. For this episode. Not really. I guess that's it for this episode. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you guys on Friday. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to go and like and subscribe. Mm-hmm.